It's a death sentence for this week. Uh, one of two episodes. The other one uh, it's probably been released already uh, with T of Champagne Sharks. Um, we haven't recorded that yet, but it's been released, so we're doing this chronologically backwards. It's like time travel. We had a really good episode that time. That'll make more sense after we record the second one when we have the good episode. But right now, I'm going to say it so that way it it you know links together real well. Okay. The people in the future listening to this, ignore that second part. Only pay attention to the first part that I said when I said that the episode that we're about to record was a good episode. So I have a nosebleed right now um, for discussing that. So that's pretty cool. Um, it- it's like we're uh, it's like we're doing that time travel movie, uh, not Looper, although that has time travel. The one with laundromat. Primer. Primer. Yeah, there we go. It's the podcast yeah. equivalent of Primer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a long, long movie that I didn't get. Um, it's probably a good film, but anyway, we, I watched we... it with a roommate who was extremely high, and he went insane and watched the movie nine additional times after we were done. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Um, so we've got on the line is the band uh, Putrescine out of uh, San Diego, California. There's, well, guys, sa- sound off. Like, uh, tell everyone your, your names and, like, band jobs. Uh, I'm Trevor. I do the vocals and guitar. Zach, I do scene sometimes right. I'm Marie. I do vocal, the drums. Cool. And uh, yeah, we wanted them on because their album came out uh, last week, week and a half ago. It's called The One Reborn, and it is so fucking good. Oh my god. Uh, and they seem like cool dudes. So you know, we want to talk to them about stuff. So yeah, I believe um, uh, I believe Trevor emailed it to me, and I was just like, "Oh, death metal!" and just clicked on it. And uh, I was at work, uh, just sitting in the bathroom, getting paid to do nothing. And I was like, "I'm gonna have to pretend that I'm having a really difficult time because I don't want to." St- it's so gross. It was so gross sounding. I loved it. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! I'm glad you guys enjoyed. It. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Mm, yeah, really great album. Uh, so let's just start with like, well, like the normal band questions. Like, so how do you guys get together as a band? Well, uh, Zach and Marie are two of my best friends. I've known them since and roll earlier was Zach. Um, and Zach recently, for about a year and a half ago, I think, moved to Diego, and we decided to start working. Um, our first project fell apart pretty quick. We got of doing it, and you know, listen death metal. And uh, I told Marie what we were doing. She goes, "Let's uh, you know, let me program the drums." And it all came out. Cool. What was the first project? Was it something embarrassing? Uh, totally. Um, it's actually, uh, it was like kind of electronic. Like Zach does keyboards and produces, so we try to work that way mm-hmm. and we managed to start one of the songs into entropy but other than that there wasn't much to do with you know anything good to come cool there was some lovely emo vocals on that though that i 
should let anyone hear. <laughs> It's better when they're death metal. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good, for us, we're good. Yeah, it's a good choice to just be a death metal band. So, like, what are you guys' influences? Um, Carcass, obviously. Uh, one of my favorite bands. <laughs> Probably uh, the, the best four-piece band to come out of uh, Liverpool of all time. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a slam dunk. I don't even know anyone else who would qualify once you bring up Carcass. I mean, that's sort of like Um also we're pretty big fans of uh like Tucker era Morbid Angel. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um and I, I like a lot of the uh the contemporary metal too. I'm, I'm, I'm a big write, fan uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Marie. I'm I'm a big fan of like uh Alf Svensson at the Gates, like the first couple releases. Um, Bolt Thrower, and then like any like really like weirder out there death metal, stuff like Ghoul. Or uh some like a newbie weird weird metal band from Lithuania. Yeah, I love Time oh, Goal. Yeah. Time Goal is so good. Um so yeah, how, so tell me about the album itself, because yeah, five five songs is kind of maybe even an EP, but um, you kind of the lyrics are about a lot of stuff that we don't hear a lot about in death metal, i.e., anti-vaxxers. Um, so yeah, where are you coming from with the with the lyrics side of things? So that was the five songs written first and uh i i didn't know uh what to write about um the first one the anti i don't know what it was that cut off but i thought it was you know just kind of funny mm -hmm. uh kind of pulling the carcass talking about diseases and all um you know made it a little little tongue-in-cheek uh, that was fun and uh the um and was the second one I wrote. That came about when uh, Elliot Abrams confirmed for a special envoy for regime in Venezuela, or, or and uh, there was an article about uh, what had gone on in Salvador mm -hmm. under him, and all that stuff is believable. Um, the absolute cruelty involved. Um, and that kind of got me thinking, like, you know, this, like, death metal material. Um, you know, you, you know, B-horrors uh, and serial killers and all this violence. And what, why not shine light on things that actually happen that are almost more unbelievable than anything you think of in a movie? I mean, this described in that song, you know, the family, their heads cut off and around a table with the... Mm -hmm dinner plates full of blood and their hands on their heads and held the baby's hand to it. Who comes up with that? Hmm. I, I don't think you have to be insane to sit there for a horror movie. That's what these people were actually doing. So I think, you know, we're well for death metal and it actually gives us a chance to talk about something real. Hmm. Yeah. 
that's cool. And what's equally cool about the Venezuela situation is that it resolved itself because uh, Donald Trump got bored of it and has now decided <laughs> that he's just not into it anymore. So um, that, no longer doing regime, regime change there. That, that situation was because I, uh, I wasn't alive in the 80s to uh, you know, watch all the various regime changes happen. And I thought, you know, maybe they were slick about, you know, the CIA hush hush and now i'm watching and i'm like we just you know it's really it's what they're doing and it probably always was this this um this administration just happens to be really bad at it so yeah they're extremely bad at it it's it's um so we actually have some uh there was some interesting subterfuge going on during the uh the reagan administration because of the fact that while we had TV, we didn't really have a lot of embedded reporters. CNN is the one who started the notion of embedded reporters like in the very late 80s, early 90s. So it was mostly like heavily vetted reports. And because of the nature of the regime changes, it was hard to pin down certain details. So it was very hard to report on in that kind of very structured manner. And likewise, then with radio having the same issue. So it was more like you'd find out about it like way after shit was done. Um and now we can just like Google something real quick and be like, oh, they're fucking up again. Oh, they uh, they sent an extremely offensive letter to the guy that they want to like them. And now he doesn't talk to the Trump administration. Amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And like their primary uh, method of overthrowing the government was like really underwhelming flash mobs. It was like a crappy <laughs> marketing campaign from 2005. Like, like I'm not supporting the, the the reagan regime changes at all but at least he was like why don't we kill a bunch of people and it's like well that's really terrible but probably effective <laughs> if you want to be a bad person starting with killing a lot of people is a pretty easy way to get something bad done but you know they're like i don't i don't get a bunch of people to circle around and i've been watching videos of this beto o'rourke character so we're gonna have maduro do that he's gonna stand on and uh, not Maduro, it's, it's the 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 other guy. It's like we're gonna have him stand on a table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll show him. <laughs> then he's gonna kneel down, still on the table. <laughs> so yeah, the highly effective regime change tactics. And then we also found out Ronald Reagan was really racist as well. Found so, out who, who would have who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? Although I'm, I'm he, just... he was on a phone call with Richard Nixon. So kind of like if you were calling Richard Nixon, wouldn't <laughs> you want to like pretend to be evil as well? Just so he like accepts you. All right. So I don't know if anyone else here watches uh, professional wrestling, but there is a, a major moment, obviously one of the most important. I promise this is relevant. There is uh, one of the <laughs> most uh, famous profess uh, professional wrestlers of all time, Hulk Hogan. We all know his racism thing, but I'm not talking about that. No, I'm talking about uh, he had a long often uh, on again, off again, like conflict with another major wrestler, uh, Randy Savage. And for a brief period, they teamed up to become a, a tag team called the Mega Powers. And um, Reagan and Nixon being on the phone with each other is like the racism version of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I feel like if, if you're the new president calling Nixon, you gotta like show up how racist you are to impress him. Yeah, 
you've got exactly. a list of racial slurs and you have a CI or a, a secret service agent who's pointing at the list and nodding. And you're like, I don't want to say these though. It's like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta say them. You gotta say them right into that phone. It's like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I think Is, so isn't that how they said they got Papa John too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Papa, Papa John got canceled. But... Yeah. He, he, he got, he got, got, he did that to he, himself. He said, I swear the PR company told me I had to use the slurs on this, on this phone call. <laughs> yeah, PR companies no are, are known for telling their, uh, in, their clients to say as many slurs as possible. That's They're like, a, I don't yeah. think our investors will really understand the point you're making unless you use the N-word. <laughs> There's simply no other way to make this point. Yeah, you, you got to say something memorable, and that's a very memorable word if you're a white person who says it to a, a board of <laughs> investors. <laughs> I I really love how absolutely uh, insane that racism scandal was on account of um, normally it's someone using like really casual language and revealing, you know, a gross inside of themselves, like a gross intolerable inside. But in that instance, he was like, I'm going to call people who give my company millions of dollars and what am I going to tell them? The N-word. And it's just like... <laughs> it's, I can imagine if I were to give someone a list of things to do or not do on a conference call with multi-million dollar investors, like, I wouldn't include don't say any racial slurs because I would imagine that would be a given. Like... <laughs> It's just a beautifully mystifying, like, I imagine someone in the room, when he said it, was like, no, 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 no. And yet we still have Papa John's terrible, terrible pizza. Probably easily the worst of the major pizza chains, and I'm including Domino's in that. Domino's has the benefit of being very inexpensive. Yeah. You can like get seven thousand calories worth of Domino's, like ten bucks. But uh, also, I also I'm I'm not against Little Caesars. I think it's pretty pretty okay. Controversial the way, stand. The way to go with Little Caesars actually isn't their five dollar pizzas. If you just spend like five dollars more, they have this amazing stuffed crust, and I think that's great that we're talking about this on your very important podcast. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. Okay, let's so uh, ranking the major pizza chains. <laughs> I I actually think Domino's got pretty good after they got called out for being the trash pizza. Um, I agree. Last time I ate it, it, it was actually pretty good. All of their pizza is garlic bread, and like that's their, that's their, a, like really their dough is garlic. Bread. Bread. Like you can't keep your hands clean. That's not, and that's the key to success is just make everything garlic bread. Hmm. Yeah. So yes, their next album will be garlic. That's yeah. We're gonna have to do a song about garlic bread and pizza now. Hmm. Like, I've I've got a slight gluten sensitivity, so if you need me to like describe that, some of the things that happen to my insides when I eat a pizza are pretty are pretty death metal. So oh, that is primo material. That's yeah. that's perfect, actually. Yeah, take a little little carcass approach. Yeah, and I Langdon listened to your album on the toilet, so it only makes sense that your next one should be about uh, what happens to me on the toilet when I eat Domino's pizza. It's not my fa fault that the toilet is the ideal death metal destination. That's just uh, 
God is, is that, that. <laughs> is that generally where you consume your death metal? <laughs> Normally, it's in a chair, but a toilet's a kind of chair. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> if you think Sorry. with your heart, the toilet is a chair. <laughs> We're just keeping in mind with the theme. I mean, we named our band after something that smells really bad, so it all kind of works together. Yeah, what 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 is a putrescine anyway? Uh, putrescine is one of the chemical uh, uh, sense of death. Um, uh, oh. Putrescine and cadaverine are what are responsible for the stench of death. And uh, this morning, actually, right before we hopped on, uh, someone on Twitter had mentioned that uh, putrescine is also partly responsible for the smell and flavor of semen. So that's interesting Whoa. information. That's yeah. Tight. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I love that it comes smells like dead people. That's that's tight. Millions, millions, and millions of little dead people. Yeah. More importantly, though, um, we got mentioned in uh, Toilet of Hell's little podcast thing, and they had mentioned apparently that there's trace amounts of it in coffee. So I went to send them like a thank you message, like saying like, "Hey, uh, thanks for having us on your show. We're currently enjoying some coffee with like trace amounts of corpses." Wow. That's good. I wonder, yeah, there's got to be like a bunch of stuff that putrescine is in that we don't know about, or that I don't know about currently. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Let's look into this. toilet of hell. I'm gonna Google it right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and the other, and the other stuff is called cadaver, cadaverine. Cadaverine. That's a really yeah. sick name. Yeah. So that, that was in the running for the band name too. It was one of those two. Cool. Nice. Apparently, some microalgae has it. Yeah. Okay. Also, it contributes to bad breath and bacterial vaginosis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, take that toilet of hell. <laughs> yeah, we said bacterial vaginosis on our show. You claim you're the big toilet metal podcast? You don't have Mr. <laughs> Cocaine Toilet, and you don't listen to death metal on a toilet. <laughs> We're living that toilet life. <laughs> Don't start into podcast beef, okay? The beef will be good. You know, it's like rap. It's good for sales. <laughs> okay, well, I'm really, I'm really glad we got a Mr. Cocaine Toilet mention on our episode. <laughs> I, I, keep, I, keep the, I keep the Mr. Cocaine Toilet next to me whenever I'm recording an episode, and I lock eyes of its, uh, its big bright anime eyes and its sweet wife hair I, I, I ask for its immortal spirit to guide me yeah, and for our Patreon listeners if you uh, you know if you've got give us a ton of money we will send you a Mr. Cocaine Toilet signed signed cocaine toilet for, you, for, for your home or workplace so, you, you, can, yeah. you can do coke out of it I wouldn't suggest that the bowl is very big <laughs> You'll die. <laughs> but it'll be a hell of a way to go. Um, a toilet of hell of way to go? Oh. <laughs> okay, on, on that truly excremental pun, um, let's go, let's do uh, play some death metal. So you guys wanted to play a Carcass song, right? Yeah. Okay, which one? Because they have a few. It was a uh, ruptured pure lens. Nice. Okay, why why this song and why carcass specifically? 
And for me, it's, it's my favorite Carcass song. And we all love Carcass. Good. Yeah, and... Marie jumped first, so yeah, it's that song now. Okay. Okay.
so I'd say no. Tell us some carcass, and um, if you don't like that, then you're stupid. We hate yeah. you. Yeah, you should fuck off if you don't like carcass. That's Why are you listening to our podcast? Yeah, How are you just... going to roll up in a metal and literary podcast zone and not like carcass? That's scrub tier. Yeah, you're Fix just wasting yourself. your time. Sort your life out if you don't like carcass, man. It's just, you're not, it's not okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're still here with putrescine which we found out is a uh, component of the corpse smell and semen and coffee. So, um, yeah, let's talk about video games because you're one of the increasing number of bands who have written songs about Bloodborne, which is not something I'd ever thought would happen, but it kind of makes sense and is good. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Bloodborne or hear anyone describe <laughs> Bloodborne to you, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's really perfect and you know there's been tons of metal that dealt with the lovecraft and i i really got out of bloodborne that it's a more you know japanese take on lovecraft and that it's got more weird tentacle stuff so it's perfect oh, yeah. you know hmm. yeah so uh when you played bloodborne how, how what uh what was your build tell, tell me about your bloodborne experience um so I, I usually go for um, dexterity builds, you know, keep the speed high. Good, good build, good build. I think I ended up using Ludwig's sword for the last half of the game. Oh, same. That was, yeah. Yeah, the uh, Ludwig's holy blade, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I pretty much stuck with the uh, saw cleaver all the way through. All I know is I wanted to be strong and I wanted to go really fast. So that was kind of my Bloodborne experience because, like, the whole thing is just so like aggression base, especially with the way you can leech back your health uh, mm. after you take a hit. So you want to be fast. You want to like get up in there. Like the aggression is like the entire driving force of like the combat in that game. Yeah. I strongly appreciate that answer. Mm. Sweet. A singular desire to be strong and fast. Like a train. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very anime thing to want, really. Yeah. So it's hugely animated. You just want to be the strongest and fastest guy. Bloodborne yeah. is a kind of anime. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not I, I think so. No, no it's, it's really not. It, it, for one, it's good. And two, I don't hate it. Anime uh, can be good sometimes. <laughs> when it tries very hard. Which it often <laughs> doesn't. Yeah, I, I'm poised at the uh, edge of watching the show Demon Slayer because I've heard so many good things about it. Um, I've mostly been reading a manga called Investor Z, which is about a little boy who invests in the stock market. They refer to Warren Buffett as Buffett-sama. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I can't stop reading it, even though it's clearly not good. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, apart from... Um, Apart from the Soulsborne franchise, what else, like non-musical stuff, like inspires your band and your lyrics and you personally? Um, I mean, the big thing was obviously, um, you know, working class struggles. Um, mm -hmm. That's Homestead. Uh, that was Marie's idea to write about. That is about the Homestead strike, and you know, so that was cool. It's pretty, pretty brutal. They, uh, you know. Killed a bunch of Pinkertons, which 
you know, think is a good thing. Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, that whole thing didn't really turn out well, but the battle was cool to write about. They, like, kept trying to light them on fire. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. And the, and the Goldman's boyfriend almost killed the, uh, the factory owner who ordered the Pinkertons to break up the strike. It is, it really, is a really yeah it's a it's a really interesting bit of American labor history that virtually no one knows about i'm I'm the big like leftist philosophy and history nerd of the band oh hell yeah, good I love that shit <laughs> you need that you need like a, a political officer in the band just to keep everyone um keep everyone's praxis good and if anyone <laughs> steps out of line macro off the head twenty self crits yeah, just endless struggle sessions in a touring van. You just, just hand over <laughs> the ice pick and you're like, all right, you've earned this. <laughs> yeah. so, Speaking um, of... Oh, go ahead. No, go, no you, you're, you're being interviewed. You, you do the talking. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of DIY little projects and stuff, I think that's been the most inspiring element of recording this little EP for me. Um, we recorded this on a budget of like zero dollars, more or less, which I think was great. We, um, we've shared it on our Twitter and a couple other places that our vocals and our guitars were pretty much recorded in a blanket fort uh, held up by PVC pipes. Nice. And um, I had some gear that I brought in like with me to this uh, that like Trevor was like, all right, well, we're going to just kind of do this thing and just see how it goes. So for inspiration, I think that's been like the whole thing is there's been a challenge of just like, all right, how can we make this thing sound as badass as possible for like the smallest budget <clears throat> yeah i used to, i before i got a good microphone i used to record in a pillow fort um just because it would absorb the sound and I, solidarity with people who record in pillow forts because it's not an easy uh, thing to do um i almost died in, during the heat wave last <laughs> year because sweaty and heat stroke after a while yeah, because uh, okay. let's all say it together. England is the worst country. It is, yeah, and the temperature here is never right. Cur- currently, I'm in my underwear because it's so disgustingly hot and sweaty today. Um, but uh, so yeah, w- like, are you gonna keep things DIY? Like, what if you get like signed to a, a big, relatively big label, and they, they want you to like record in a big studio? With a super producer, maybe Kurt Ballou. I don't know. Um, would you go? Would you go down the um, the studio route? Or are you going to keep things strictly DIY? I, I mean, if we're not paying for it, then yeah, that'd be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, I, I think I, I think the process worked really well for us. It was really relaxed. It's like we weren't paying for time. So if I keep screwing up my guitar takes, then it's not the worst thing in the world right it's just me yelling at you as opposed to producer yelling at you and draining your wallet simultaneously but i mean yeah Yeah. if someone wants to give us a lot of money to make something sound better uh i I guess we'd probably be open to hearing that (laughs) okay record labels get 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 in there and uh make them sell out (laughs) but um so yeah speaking of Excuse me. Politics. I mean, yeah, it's pretty obviously a political album. You've got a um, the Antifa crosses right there on your on your battle jacket, so that's always appreciated. So 
how how do you define yourselves politically? Where would you where would you say you are on the political spectrum? Um, I would say I'm just in general not really tied to like Marxist Leninism or anarchism or any like set ideology, but definitely agree with how they can be applicable to a modern version of capitalism. We have to Cool. So, is there a particular, um, are there any particular like uh, thinkers or any particular texts that have inspired you and do you come back to? I mean, for me, I really, as far as like, I really like Mark Fisher. Some of the work he did. Hell yes. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> not not super materialist, but just like really kind of hits on like the modern hellscape we have to live in. Mm -hmm. um, of course, yep. Marx. Um, I like, even though I'm not a Leninist, I like a lot of stuff Lenin's read, uh, written. Um, and I really want to read, like like the meme suggests, I really want to read Bookchin. <laughs> yeah, Bookchin's good. All classics. Yeah. And, and for good reason. Like the, It's hard not to read what is to be done and not be like, I should buy a gun. <laughs> 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 Like this guy's made some really good points. I need a gun. <laughs> I need to buy a gun for me and all my coworkers and start investing now. <laughs> the factory will be ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Mark Fisher, especially, is probably one of the the better, not better one, one of the best um, modern thinkers, at least of the bigger names, because the way that he incorporates the like um deridian like ontology like he doesn't like like you were saying he doesn't focus just on purely material things he also focuses on the weird um cultural ephemera of like these like fragments of ghosts that just how we view things mm. so it's like yeah. we're not acting in a purely material way anyway yeah, I mean, the well, whole like, concept of, like, capitalist realism is, like, hugely influential now. And, I, and he only came out with that, like, what, like, five, six years ago? And now it's, yeah, I think it was 2010 or nine. Yeah, like it wasn't very long ago at all. And, yeah, he, he seems to have kind of, like, got into the pantheon of great leftist thinkers um, really quickly on the basis of, like, four books. Um, so, yeah, we've... I think we did we did a whole episode on Mark Fisher a while back, and um, we, I mean, it's kind of almost become a cliche of leftist podcasters talking about Mark Fisher on the show <laughs> because you know people do that rather a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like the it's like the um, the the Velvet Underground thing of like. Uh, that super cliched quote of like only a hundred people bought the records, but all hundred started bands. The same thing with like reading K punk um, as he was making it. It's hard not to read that and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. Hmm, Whether yeah. like starting, starting like a little zine, starting a community center, you know, starting a podcast, anything like that. Hmm. In most cases, starting a podcast. Yeah. We are we are white, so yeah. that's the white the white people thing to do. Yeah, it's the white man's current burden is to start podcasts. Yeah. Uh, any <laughs> any more one two uh, white people get together, got to start a podcast. 
it keeps us out of harm's way. We're not we're not doing anything harmful technically. You can ignore us pretty easily. Just don't click yeah. on the podcast. Boom. It's like we're not even there. <laughs> I know. Um, I like, mean, I've had can... too much cishet white dudes be like, "All right, let's listen to a little less podcasts." Boom, they're gone. Live your life. Be free. I mean, te- technically, we are harmful because we've like probably um, made terroristic or threats in probably most episodes now. We have um, to take down the last Koch brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, but um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about him on the next episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> specifically, I'm gonna do a musical tribute to him. But um, the uh, the awesome thing about that situation is he is now exactly aware of how happy everyone's gonna be when he dies, hmm. and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really hope like yeah, Charles Coke is in like is just aware is, if he's like online or something. Because he's bound to be on like some sort of like insulated billionaire world where everyone tells him how great he is all the time. But I just hope there's like a little crack in there and he can see loads of people going like, "Yeah, bitch, she dead," to his <laughs> dead dumb brother who died. I like to imagine he has like a Facebook alt account, has like an anime profile picture, and he's just scrolling through his feed, seeing how happy everyone is his brother's dead. <laughs> Yeah, he probably has like a meme page. It's like Coke uh, funded memes for libertarian teens or something. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that oh. has to be a thing. <laughs> oh, so as of 30 minutes ago, I saw a uh, cool news article, and we can also cover this a bit in the next episode because that's, ooh, uh, which for you, dear listener, is the previous episode. Um, DNC votes 222 to 137 against allowing candidates to participate in climate debate. Climate debate as in like any debate about the climate or one specific climate debate. I believe it's the upcoming. um, uh, I'm reading it right now. Um, Oh, having an official uh, climate debate. Why? What? No. That's dumb. And the DNC is dumb for doing it. Yes, they're incredibly dumb. They hate the earth. They hate all uh, oppressed classes of people. Uh, yep. I could trot out all the standard things to say about them, but you've heard all of them and they're all true. They just remain true. Yeah. Like, the, the very small number of okay Democrats should just go to climate debate anyway and protest. But um, they probably won't. But uh, yeah, that's that's dumb and stupid. Why? Well, I, I I think they uh they might actually be right here. Um, if the uh rainforest fire isn't out by like yesterday, we probably only have like ten years left. So why waste our last you know, ten years on the planet talking about it? You know, they're just trying to encourage us to live our best life with what you know oxygen we have left in the air and what years we have left before the oceans boil over. So. I, I think I think they're on the right there. Yeah, we could accelerate even faster and just keep burning whatever. Just just you see it burn it. <laughs> it's like see something, say something, but with setting things on fire. <laughs> see something, burn something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that was the uh, the Hickenlooper climate plan, and he he dropped out of the race. So <laughs> it, it, it that important drink. voice is lost. It was to drink frack water and to set everything on fire. Yeah, just that's that has... frack water and just like spit it out over a fire. 
<laughs> see it go explode. You know, we we talk a lot about uh, Marianne Williamson and how funny her whole magic thing is, but Hickenlooper ritualistically drank fracking fluid. Uh, there's there's definitely some potential there. He was trying to communicate with the Loa of fracking. <laughs> I've, I've read The Invisibles. I know what he was doing. <laughs> he wanted that Loa to mount him so as to properly guide his fracking energies. <laughs> Gross. Did he? Was he? That's, that's what it's called when a Loa takes control of you, Gareth. You don't have to be weird about it. No, but... no, I'm not being like. I'm fine with Loa doing whatever they want to do. I'm not kink shaming uh, <laughs> the Pantheon. But um, no, drinking fracking more fluid is gross. Uh, yeah, that's gross. You know, you don't know what that stuff's been. You you also well, you don't do know actually. What powers you gain. You you do know where it's been. It's it's been in the earth fracking. That's it's actually part of its name. Tells you where it's been, Gareth. Yeah, still, still though. Um. Yeah. So what? Uh, what's the band doing next? I know you've like literally just put out a an EP. But what have you got planned for the future? Are you touring? Are you recording like a full size record or or what? We uh we actually have a decent amount written for a for a full length, so we'd like to do that. Um, if we could find a drummer, I'd like to you know take it live. Mm -hmm. um, the good thing is for the full length, uh, Marie is going to be writing a lot more of the uh, of the songs, so it's going to be particularly cool. Nice, Hell Marie. Yeah. Is is there any like uh, can we get some previews of kind of stuff you're going to be writing about? Um, well, not, I don't really like lyrics, but definitely the music. Um, mm -hmm. again, I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of Alf Svensson and how he wrote death metal riffs where he accidentally started using like serialist composing techniques. So like he would take riffs and then the harmony riff would be the riff reversed, but mm -hmm. just, just doing like really complex sort of composition techniques on death metal. It's really fun to, to write stuff with Trevor again. Like, he'll send me stuff. I'll, like, work my stuff on it, send it back to him. Cool back and forth. So it's it's definitely going to be a lot more developed and probably weirder for a lot of Fuck cool. yes. Good. Yeah, be, be as weird as you want to be, because it always makes death metal better. The beauty um, of death metal is when it gets really weird, you're like, this slaps so unbelievably hard. Like when Demi Lich unveiled the uh, demonic bullfrog vocal for the first time. And we were all like, I don't even know what the weight of the water with the 16th to its son. I don't. And you just start vomiting blood. Because <laughs> you're so hyped. <laughs> so hyped for the, the putrefying road to the 19th extremity or whatever that song is called. And you're like, I don't. <laughs> am I stupid? Is that why I don't understand these song titles? Am I just too <laughs> stupid? You're you're not Finnish enough to get it. There's, there's just something in the water in Finland that makes weird death metal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I actually I actually saw Demilich live, and Anti Bowman is able to do those vocals perfectly, and I I don't understand how. <laughs> cool. So um, yeah, let's enough talking about your music. Let's play some. 
Um, let's throw on the title track from The One Reborn. And um, do you want to tell us a little bit about this song, what it's about and how you recorded it and yeah, just in, kind of intro the song? So um, that one is about a uh, boss from Bloodborne. Uh, nice. My my particular favorite, the uh, the one reborn. It's just a uh, a mass of corpses um, with like a dude riding it, and it vomits black sludge. Um, it, it's it's pretty fucking metal. Um, just that whole thing. Um, so that's what the lyrics are about. And I guess um, in keeping with the political themes, it was like a experiment of powerful men to ascend themselves to godhood by just killing a bunch of poor people and slapping them into a flesh monster. And, you know, that kind of sounds like what rich people do throughout history, just try to achieve greatness and trample over everyone in their paths. So it works like that. Nice. Yeah, I pray Epstein was into some flesh monster stuff. <laughs> right in, his temple has probably got like a, a few wonderborns just s sitting around in there. Um, so yeah, we're gonna be playing the one reborn. Um, I'm like, I'm like tempted to just replay Bloodborne now because it's just so great, and like tons of bands have started making songs about it, which is really good and really unexpected. And I love it. Uh, so yeah, check out the one reborn, both the album and song. Uh, check out Preach Scene uh, when they put out a full length. Um, yeah, read, read Lenin, you know, what is to be done. Good, good old book there. Uh, read Mark Fisher, obviously. And, um, yeah, and come back next week for more books and talking and metal stuff. So here's one reborn. <laughs> 